You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org. Is this not a blessing to look around and see the family of God gathering at Hardin to celebrate the birthday of Jesus on Christmas Sunday, December 25th? Thank you so very much for being here this morning. I hope you are having a very Merry Christmas weekend. Don't know about you, but yesterday when all of our kids went home, it was after dark, they were all day long. We loved it, it's one of our traditions. Well then Mimish and I got to do a tradition that we've been doing ever since we've been married. We started the tradition with her with the remote control in her hand And the next thing you know, she was saying, I can't find it, I can't find it, I can't find it, I can't find it, I can't find it. And finally we found it, WPSD TV. It's a wonderful life. And we sat down on the couches to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And I have to confess, at our age, we probably can't say we watched it, we dozed through it. It's just one of our traditions. I don't know about you, but we love that story. It's a black and white, originally released in 1946. George Bailey, God bless him. In the beginning of that movie, saves his brother, saves a pharmacist from making a fatal mistake, saves his father's business, the Bailey building and lawn, And then when life got rough because his Uncle Billy misplaced an $8,000 deposit. When he was thinking about he didn't want to live anymore, standing there on that bridge, he does what only George Bailey would do. He saved the life of his guardian angel who jumped in. Once the angel was rescued, him not knowing Clarence was an angel... I love that scene where he makes the statement, I wish I would have never been born. And Clarence has that little look and he decides to make it happen. And for the rest of the movie, we watched what life would have been like in Bedford Falls, or should I say Pottersville, if George Bailey had not been born. The pharmacist served a 20-year prison sentence. Never became that successful guy he came to be because there was no George Bailey. That transport ship in the war that got saved, all of them died because Harry, his brother, died in that accident. The building and loan disappeared years and years before. But if you remember in that movie as George is trying to convince people who he is and no one knows him, what brought him to his senses was he realized his wife Mary never got married, never had kids. She was in a library alone 
and going home, when he finally pursued her, grabbed her, she fled, and then in a crowd of people, she fainted. Changed his life. He now realizes what life would have been like had he not been born. And I love that last scene where he goes back home because now he's back alive. Rushes into his house. There's the people who's going to arrest him, so to speak. And then next thing on Mary brings literally the whole town in. And they just begin to dump the money on the table. And then Harry who's getting a Congressional Medal of Honor, arrives. And he looks at his brother and he makes a toast. To my brother, the richest man in town. Wow. There's just something about that movie that stirs us. When you think about a man who had such an influence, didn't realize the influence he was having, and life got him to a place that he wished He'd never been born. Well, today's not about George Bailey. You know that. It's about Jesus Christ. I couldn't help last night as I watched that movie again, knowing this was going to be Christmas Sunday. I just began to imagine what would life be like had Jesus Christ not been born? Have you ever thought about that? But I've got some really, really good news. He was born. And I just want to say, I don't believe there's ever been a day in his existence when he wished he would have never been born. Amen? Can we just walk through the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2 quickly this morning? Caesar Augustus, a man who claimed to be God, orders a census. Every man must now go back to his hometown and register for this census. So after Luke tells us that the whole world is going to be registered, he now focuses in on Joseph, who's in Galilee particularly of the town of Nazareth. And how because he's of the house and lineage of David, he must go back to his hometown, which is Bethlehem, which is in Judea. And he takes with him his betrothed wife, Mary. And here's the scandal. She's pregnant with child. Now, We've got this picture that when they arrive in Bethlehem, they can't find a place to stay, and then suddenly she goes into labor pains, but that's not what Luke presents. Luke says, while they were there, her days were fulfilled for her to give birth. So the picture really is this. They've been there for a little while. And while they're there taking the Roman census, she goes into labor. 
and she brings forth her firstborn son. And she wraps him in swaddling cloths. And then she lays him in a manger. And then Luke, as only Luke can do, being his story and being a medical doctor, it's amazing his attention to detail. He wants us for some reason to know why he was laid in a manger. And you know the answer. Because there was no room in the end. I grew up with Christmas play after Christmas play of an inn that looked like a Motel 6. And an innkeeper with dollar signs in his eyes, greedy, cold-hearted, sending Joseph and Mary, pregnant Mary, on down the road because he was so tickled. His inn was full. That's not the picture. As a matter of fact, many scholars don't even believe there was an inn in Bethlehem for them to stay in. The word that Luke uses is not the normal word for inn that he's gonna use later when he talks about the story of the Good Samaritan. If it was an inn, it was a place where there would be crude stall rooms around an open courtyard that would have a half wall and on the other side of that half wall, that's where the animals would stay. Some scholars believe this is what he might be referring to. So Jesus would have been born in that animal courtyard off of the main courtyard because there was no room in any of the individual crude rooms or stalls for Joseph and Mary. Other scholars believe that no, this is referring to a house and that the word for in literally means guest room. So what Luke is saying is there was no room in the guest rooms. So in the biblical world, your house at this time would have been, you'd had your living area, and then you had another area where you kept your animals, and then you had had special rooms to where guests, because the Jews were big for hospitality. Here's my opinion. That word for room, that word for place that Luke tells us about is where we get our English word topography from, which means literally the lay of the land. So here's what I think Luke's saying. Luke is saying a guest room or an inn was no fitting place for Jesus to be born. So you know where he's born? Now I'm gonna say this one way because I'm of Western culture. When I read this, no matter which scholars write, this sounds like to me he was born in a barn, amen? Now, I'm not talking about a barn like at my house. I'm talking about a place where we house animals, a place where there's a feeding trough. And here's what we know. Because there was no feeding place in the guest room or the inn in the house for Jesus to be born, the most feeding place for him to be born, in God's eyes was for him to be born where the animals are. And they lay him in a manger. Now, I've just got this thought this morning. I know it's Christmas morning. I don't be disrespectful. But do you think there was ever a time when Jesus was growing up, his mother looked at him and said, were you raised in a barn? 
Amen? To which he would have said, yes, I was born in a barn. Now, how many of you are old enough to know what the question, were you born in a barn, means? Can I just see a show of hands? All right, all of us over, I won't say how old you got to be to know that. We had Christmas with Salisa's dad this week, and we met in the woman's clubhouse at Hazel, and all of the kids were there, and I can't tell you how many times we'd say, Deacon, shut the door. Jackson, shut the door. Gee, please shut the door. And every time those little boys would say, like it wasn't their fault. You know who they blamed? They blamed the person who was supposed to come in after them. Because in their mind, they opened the door, they went through the door, but somebody else was going to follow them. Now, I know they weren't big enough to know this expression, but there were several times I wanted to say, were you boys born in a barn? But I didn't. I just did what we papas do. We closed the door, right? And we don't make a big deal about them leaving the door open. That's the picture of the birth of Christ. Now I want us to focus in on this one thought this morning. Unlike George Bailey, he never wished he had not been born. Because if he had not been born, he knew there wouldn't have been his life, there wouldn't have been his death, there wouldn't have been his burial, there wouldn't have been his resurrection, there wouldn't have been his ascension, and there wouldn't be his return. And we'd have no hope. Unlike George Bailey, who had to have a visit from an angel to make him aware of what life in Bedford Falls would be like if he had not been born, Jesus already knew. Because before he became a man, he was God. Second person of the triune Godhead. And here's what he knew. He knew the life you would live if he hadn't have come. So he came to live the life you couldn't live. He suffered, and in the midst of that suffering, never one time did he look at his father and say, I wish I'd never been born. Took on human nature just like you and me. Tempted just like you and me. Yet not one time did he give in to the temptation. He took on the power of sin and condemned sin in the flesh. Because he knew you and I could. And he died the death we should have. We all know this. It should have been us on that cross. 
No, not even on a cross. It should be us in a lake of fire for eternity, separated from God forever and ever and ever because of what we've done to him. We deserve that. And on that cross in six hours, he paid our eternal sin debt. He lived the life we couldn't so he could die the death we should have so that right now we can live the life he lived. Amen. And this is all symbolized by him being born in a barn. Can I say this? No disrespect to the gospel narrative. But to bring it into modern culture, I want to ask you, do you believe he was born in a barn? Yes. Do you know why he was born in a barn? So he could leave the door open. He went into the presence of God with a sacrifice that ripped that curtain in two in the temple, signifying that the door is open. And do you know why that door is not closed today? It's because he wants you to follow him into the presence of his father and live forever and ever and ever. Are you a follower of Jesus? Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity to gather on this Christmas Sunday. First Sunday of a brand new week, but a Sunday to where we get to celebrate the birth of your son. We're going to think about his life. We're going to praise you for his death in our place. We thank you for those three days of him being in the ground. Oh, Lord, we praise you for Resurrection Sunday. The fact that right now he's in your presence at your right hand as our high priest so that he could help us, aid us, so that right now before he returns, we can live the life he lived. And Father, I believe with all of my heart that that's the gift he wants from each one of us is the gift of our life lived like he lived his life. Thank you, Father, that there was never a time when he wished he'd never been born. In his name we pray. Amen. You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org.